Okay, ready? ready? Set? Go. Go. Okay, here we go. Ready? Set. Okay. Jesus loves me this I know. like a movie? That he loves to laugh. He loves to make people laugh. Think because I'm beautiful, kind, and sweet. So I'm funny. I'm pretty. Happy. I always like makeup and stuff because it makes me beautiful and I really want to have makeup someday. Happy. I used to play basketball. That I'm cool. Funny. I have, I have a rather large vocabulary and it makes me feel smart. And I love doing music. I like music. I don't know songs from I don't know where. God loves everything about him. He made him this way for a reason. He thinks I'm kind, wonderful, sweet. Jesus. God like loving me that way. I, my passion, my past, my religion, my faith. Everything. Have a guy. I think God um, blesses him every day, and we are thankful that he is here on this earth. And he, so I'm glad he's seen my life. Vincent Church. Bible study. I like the way that, that my, like some of the friends, like I meet new people, new friends, and everything. Because I get to meet a lot of special people that are so sweet and nice. And I get to praise God. I just love Amanda. Praying. He loves to come and be with um, people of all ages. He enjoys being around them. Um, he loves the um, kindness that he receives from people up here. I love coming to this church because it's a nice little church. Stepping stones. The, the adults usually and how they can accept my opinions. Bush. I have lots of friends. Uh, I my dolls here. And, and see Amanda. That's all. That's pretty much it. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me we to once him be long. They are weak, but he is not strong. Yes, yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. If you're a part of our special needs family, a child, a parent, family member, or a volunteer, we, today we want you to know how grateful we are for you. And uh, I think we should, you know, and Amanda, uh, last week, I think, was it just last week that we heard Amanda Ferguson's story, right? And Amanda uh, directs our special needs ministry. So you heard her name uh, mentioned a couple of times there. So let's just give everyone another 
really just praising God for special needs ministry and, and let's just applaud what God's doing, right? We're so thankful for you. Um, welcome to First Methodist Mansfield and uh, the Well Services. If we've not met, my name is Sharon. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I want to shout out to my Well Cafe friends. I'm up there quite often joining us. So what's up, Cafe? Good to see you this morning. Um, big news alert, if you didn't already know, that this Thursday is Thanksgiving Day. I want you to be prepared for that. You may have already moved on to Christmas. I don't know, but we're, we're, we're starting Thanksgiving this week. Um, Thanksgiving is such an amazing holiday, isn't, isn't it? I mean, for many of us, it's a holiday that seems to be entirely dedicated to watching football and parades and eating really amazing food. I like my mom's cornbread dressing and pecan pie. There is nothing like that. Uh, of course, these days, I'm the one actually cooking those things. My mom's 91, so she has moved from being the Thanksgiving uh, meal cook to being the Thanksgiving meal supervisor. <laughs> so she makes sure I put the right amount of sage in the cornbread dressing and those kind of things. But um, for my family, there's a lot of chaos and stress and messiness that comes along with creating that big Thanksgiving meal. We have... Um, Three grown-up sons, my, my husband Ron and I do, and uh, so, you know, we've often had lots of family over for Thanksgiving Day meals, and, and I like, I like having lots of people uh, in the kitchen especially. I know that sounds crazy to some of you, right? Lots of people in the kitchen, but I love that. I love trying to get our three sons in the kitchen. They're all great cooks, better, better than I am, and I love to get them involved, um, and even... Even though it's a little crowded and it creates this other layer of chaosity, um, you know, there's, a, there's another factor that's a problem, and that is that I am easily distracted. I'm a person that's easily distracted. And so, so you can imagine what's that, what that's like in a busy kitchen. Uh, and my husband, Ron, you know, he could tell you stories about me and, and my quest for the perfect Thanksgiving meal and experience for our family and friends somehow created in all that chaos, there have been many times that I have found myself talking more than watching the pot, and bad things happen when you do that, right? For instance, um, have you ever cooked sweet potatoes? Now, you may call them yams. I don't know. They may, may be the same thing, but, and they have marshmallows all on top, and you put them in the oven, and, and then, I don't know, at some point, you kind of realize you forgot them, Right? And so you rush to the oven, you're opening the door, and you're just praying that they're just going to be golden brown. And instead, instead, you see what you prayed you would not see, which is charred, black, shriveled marshmallows all over the sweet potatoes. And then, and then you try to peel that off, and you hope nobody will notice. But well, in case you're wondering, yes, we do, we notice. So, you know, Thanksgiving meals can be really messy. Um, messy with unrealistic expectations, strained relationships, maybe the grief of someone that's missing from the table this year. Thanksgiving meals can also be lonely, even filled with painful memories. But here's the part that I love about my family's best Thanksgivings. It's those extraordinary moments, uh, kind of toward the end of the meal, after all the chaos is over, 
And, you know, we've realized whether the expectations have been met or not, right? And there's really just this phenomenal meal we've shared together. And we kick back. And we relax. And we're just sitting at the table together. That's, that's when the conversation actually moves to all those stories, right? Remembering stories from the past. I find myself really wanting to linger there in that moment as long as possible. Because, because that's when we're truly present with each other and, and remembering how thankful we are for each other and, and for our memories. And if, if someone tries to pop up and go put food away or clean up dishes, uh, now I just stop them and just ask them, sit down, relax. Let's just enjoy this moment. Now, I have to admit, I haven't always been that way. Uh, I have been that person that, you know, popped up and started putting things away. And, you know, I realized at some point that, you know, I wasn't savoring the conversation more than the meal. It wasn't that long ago. But there have been some practices in my life that have helped me come to this realization. And... You know, there's something about that beautiful table and all the amazing food. I ask myself this question. Could it be that these things are really tools that take us to that moment when we're really present and engaged with each other, remembering how thankful we are for one another and and God's grace in our lives together? Could it be that it takes all that preparation and planning for us to give ourselves permission to be present with each other and feel like a family? Well, you know, originally Thanksgiving Day was a time set apart to simply pause and remember how how good God is and and to just give God thanks. And that's what we're going to focus on today, the power of of practicing thanksgiving. If you have your Bible with you today, I want to invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verse 38. If you don't have a Bible with you and you're in the loft, we have Bibles available at the back of the room. If you're here in the chapel, there's uh, some Bibles under the seat right in front of you. And we're going to be exploring uh, three snapshots of Jesus at the table practicing thanksgiving. You know, as uh, followers of Jesus, we strive to practice what Jesus practiced, right? Uh, Sometimes we overcomplicate what it means to be a disciple. Um, But in its simplest form, discipleship is about practicing the teachings of Jesus, right? If we we can just think about it that way, practicing what Jesus practiced. So um, let's take a look at what happened when Jesus practiced Thanksgiving. It's told in Mark chapter 6. In this story, Mark tells us about Jesus feeding 5,000 plus people. Now these people had shown up with basically no food. They were unprepared. They came to be with Jesus, to listen to his teaching. Maybe they needed healing. And Jesus responds to the hunger of the people as the day went on in verse 38 by asking his disciples, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties 
taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. Jesus gave thanks and broke bread. Sound familiar? And look at the outcome of that. There was a supernatural multiplication that took place. There was more than enough food at the table that day. Uh, There were leftovers. Kind of sounds like our Thanksgiving meals, doesn't it? Clearly, something supernatural happened when Jesus practiced Thanksgiving. Now, that word supernatural generally means something that's attributed to a force beyond scientific understanding or beyond the laws of nature. More specifically in our understanding today, it means the power and presence of God. Let's look at another story and see what we find there. This time in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. Now, this is the story of Jesus and his closest followers sharing the Passover meal together. We call this the Last Supper because it's the last meal that Jesus and his disciples shared together before his crucifixion. It's also the experience that instituted the sacrament of Holy Communion that we practice here in worship regularly. Now, some of the words that you're going to hear will probably sound very familiar to you again. Beginning with verse 26, Matthew says this. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Jesus shared a meal at that table that we still share today, right? When, when we invite you to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion, we're sharing Jesus' invitation to that very table. So, you know, let's, let's think that through for just a moment about the multiplication that's taken place. Jesus shared that 2,000 years ago, and we're still practicing today. That's mind-boggling. Think about how many people have received that meal that Jesus shared that day. Think about how many times you have received that meal that Jesus shared that day and how you've experienced God's grace through it. Something supernatural happened when Jesus practiced Thanksgiving at that table that day. And we're, ex- we're still experiencing the impact of his practice today, really on, on an exponential level. And Jesus invites all of his followers to practice what he practiced. So let's take a look now at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Luke tells us a story that took place on the same day the disciples of Jesus discovered that his burial tomb was empty. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Luke tells us that there were two followers of Jesus walking from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus. <coughs> and I'm imagining, there we go, I'm imagining that these two were pretty confused. Um, they knew that Jesus had been crucified and dead, um, and they had heard some things about his tomb being empty, but they weren't really sure what had happened. So I would imagine they were kind of grieving and just feeling kind of lost. And suddenly Jesus joins them on the road, but they don't recognize him. And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, in other words, all the holy scriptures of the Hebrew people, Jesus explains to them how all those scriptures are woven together to point toward Jesus as the Redeemer, as the Son of God. And they, they didn't realize it was Jesus who was standing right in front of them, but still there was just something about him that they were powerfully drawn to. Can you even imagine that moment, what it must have felt like for them? They heard him teach. Uh, they heard his words. They still didn't recognize him. But they did want to hear more. So they invited this stranger into the house with them where they were staying, and then they shared a meal with him. And then Luke tells us the rest of the story in this way, beginning with verse 30. He says, When Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they, <laughs> they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You know, I, that's the kind of revelation that I'm looking for. Um, those two disciples couldn't recognize Jesus at first, but they could feel his presence. They experienced powerful revelation on so many levels. And something supernatural happened when Jesus practiced thanksgiving. I look for that when I read scripture. Uh, you know, I, I look for that moment when I just feel like Jesus has revealed something new to me here that I didn't see before. Now, at this point, you may be thinking, you know, but that's Jesus. Of course, something supernatural happened. <coughs> He's Jesus. He's the son. Oh, thank you. I meant to bring this up with me. Ah, it's wonderful. Thank you. What happens when we practice Thanksgiving? What happens when I practice Thanksgiving, you might ask yourself? That's a great question. As followers of Jesus, we practice what Jesus practiced, but, but are the dynamics the same for us as they were for Jesus? Is God supernaturally engaged in our lives when we offer thanksgiving. Well, let's explore that idea a bit. I, I looked at some research. Um, remember that definition of supernatural means something beyond scientific understanding. More specifically for us, the power and presence of God. And so author and psychologist Dr. Henry Cloud shares the benefits of practicing thanksgiving in his book, The Law of Happiness. And he uses scientific research 
as well as his own deep belief in the supernatural power and presence of God in our lives. And he, he also you know, recognizes that many of these outcomes that he talk, uh, talks about are beyond scientific understanding. Here, here's what he says. Grateful people are happy people. People who are grateful and practice gratitude regularly have significantly different levels of happiness than those who don't. He goes on to say, research shows people who express gratitude are not just happier, but they have more energy and better outlooks on the future. They are physically healthier. They have less emotional and psychological maladies, and they're more rational. I like that one a lot. They also are less envious and less materialistic, all because they are grateful. He emphasizes this, feel your feelings and practice your practices of thanksgiving. Because only 10% of our happiness comes from our circumstances. 50% of our happiness comes from our genetics or temperament. We can't do much about that. But 40% of our happiness comes from our thoughts, behaviors, and practices. You know, if we can choose to think about our blessings and really feel the gratitude we have for the life we've been given, we can control almost half of our happiness potential. That's, that's huge. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of impact. And here's some more benefits. Based on research from people who regularly practice Thanksgiving, they are healthier, they sleep better, they have healthier relationships with others, they have lower blood pressure, better heart health, they have improved immune function, they have increased self-esteem, they're more empathetic, they have increased resilience and mental strength. And how about this one? A daily practice of Thanksgiving could actually reduce the effects of aging on the brain. I like that one a lot too. Could we say that God is supernaturally engaged in our lives when we practice thanksgiving, that these beneficial outcomes are results of God's power and presence in us, transforming us and strengthening us. Could we say that those who practice thanksgiving, um, something is supernaturally happening in them, not only psychologically, emotionally, but also spiritually and physically. And that could overflow way beyond us. It could overflow into our relationships, into our world. Well, I want to give you a heads up before I end here today. I'm going to ask you to make a new commitment to a new practice of Thanksgiving. I know you're already practicing Thanksgiving. You sit at a meal and you give thanks. There's many ways we do that. But try a new practice is always good. Before I do that, I want to I share four simple ideas to help you be successful in this and incorporating some new practices of thanksgiving. So here's the first one. Make the practice of thanksgiving a bedtime ritual. If you want a quick way to feel more relaxed and centered before bedtime, if you want to sleep better, do this. Place a small notebook next to your bed, or, or use some other format that works for you. And each night, simply reflect on your day and write 
three experiences that you're thankful for, and then just thank God for that. Um, you, could, you could include your spouse or your family in that. And, and so this is a practice that, that I do from time to time. This is what I've noticed, that as I sit there and reflect through the day, I find three experiences that I'm really thankful for, and I recognize there's people involved in all those experiences, people that I'm thankful for. I also recognize some things along the way that I probably could have done better, but I don't write those things down right then. <laughs> but after I, after I just take a little time reflecting on that, and then I just write, thank you, God, at the bottom. That's all. You know, it's not complicated. And, um, and it, really, it really does make a difference in my attitude and uh, helps me sleep better. Uh, the second practice I want to share with you is being present to appreciate each moment. Now, this sometimes just means taking a deep breath, you know, slowing down your thoughts, and engaging in the present moment wherever you are. Just noticing the people that you're with, uh, your surroundings, and, and asking yourself these questions. First of all, how is God present here in this moment, in this place, with these people? And second question is, how can I be more present? And, and just taking some time to do that and just say, thank you, God. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for these people. Um, the third thing is this. Post a Bible verse of Thanksgiving where you will see it often. Now, these posts help us remember to pause, right, to be present in the moment, to notice what God is doing around us and to give thanks. And so like 1 Thess- Thessalonians 5.18, it's a great one. It's simple. Give thanks in all circumstances For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Just having that somewhere where you pause and think about it and you recognize what God is doing right there, what Holly talked about earlier. Take a walk and practice thanksgiving along the way. This is really helpful when you're feeling down or you feel stressed. Maybe you want to do this later in the evening or early in the morning. Just set aside 15 or 20 minutes and walk in your neighborhood or even in your office space or, or um, in a park. Just do something that allows you to walk that through and with the purpose of finding ways to thank God along the way. So, you, you know, you might be walking in your neighborhood and you walk past your neighbor's homes and you just say, thank you, God, for my neighbor. Um, maybe you're in your office and when you walk past your your uh, co-worker's uh, workspace, you just, you just lift up a word of thanks for them. Uh, or if you're in a park, you know, you can look at creation and give God thanks for that. You get, you get the idea. Wherever we are, we engage with people and places that we can thank God for. So th- that's four simple ways uh, that you could possibly add a new practice of thanksgiving into your life I want to encourage you just choose one and try it for a season you know Uh, then you could try another one if you'd like but don't overcomplicate this okay because if you do you'll end up probably dropping it and then feeling like you failed in some way and that's not what God wants for you just keep it simple keep it doable and keep it sustainable 
Um, I want to share one more dimension about uh, these practices with you, and that's modeling the practice of Thanksgiving for your kids or, or maybe your grandkids. That, that has tremendous impact on their future. It helps them better understand how to experience God early in life. Kids will mirror what they see and hear and feel each day. And so just incorporating them into one of these practices with you uh, can be powerful. Um, Something as simple as sharing one thing you're thankful for before bedtime or dinner, uh, just making that a ritual, it becomes a ritual in their life that they carry forward. And it could have a lifelong impact on their faith. Living a, a life of thanksgiving, it's not a natural way to live. It's a supernatural way to live. It's, it's something that requires some practice on our part. Practicing thanksgiving helps us become more aware of and, and available to the presence of God and others. Um, and, and it's powerful. It's a way that God works. So I want to invite you to make a commitment to making Thanksgiving a daily practice in your life. And, and here's how you can take the next step on that journey. Uh, later today, or maybe in the next couple of days, I want to invite you to go to this website, pastorsharonreed.com. On the very first page there, I, I have these four practices that I talked about listed. It's easy to find. Um, and, uh, you know, you'll find some other resources that might be helpful to you there as well. I'd love for you to visit that site and incorporate one of these into your daily life. As followers of Jesus, we practice what Jesus practiced. Make a commitment to the practice of thanksgiving. Make it a habit, a daily ritual, because something supernatural happens when we practice thanksgiving. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it sustainable. Well, this Thanksgiving, if you feel like um, maybe you're going to be feeding 5,000 plus or uh, a few friends or, or if you'll be alone, remember that Jesus will be at that table and he has already redeemed all our Thanksgivings. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we're so thankful that you share these practices with us. You invite us into your presence. And holy God, we ask that every table would be blessed, that every moment would be understood, that we would truly be present with each other. We would focus more on savoring conversation than savoring the meal. And above all, Lord, Help us to give our thanks to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.